1: talk about B-movies, low-budget films and science fiction and horror, and get to talk to Joe Bob Briggs, who is a horror film nerd icon, uh, is is pretty exciting, as well as we get to promote an awesome film festival in Milwaukee. So, Wendy, I am terribly excited today.
0: Well, that's fantastic, Mike. Yes. And it is some local love here, again, for Wisconsin, but... applies to everybody (laughs) it does and we had fun and you really fanboyed out i have to say when we were in austin and you did the interview with joe bob that was fun to see you uh kind of lose it a little bit mike
1: (laughs) yeah you know i I don't lose it too much because usually i'm pretty jaded and cynical about most things so i'm like yeah but but i was like oh man uh it is a particular treat to talk to somebody and you know that every time you make a movie reference he's gonna get it and then he's gonna one-up you on it right (laughs) <laughs> right? Because he does a wall. Right. Today, we are talking about B-movies. So, first of all, we've been using that expression. I mean, we use that expression on the show all the time because a lot of horror and science fiction films that we talk about that are oftentimes inspired by real paranormal stories are lower budget. Yes.
0: So, Wendy, the real question is, what does the word B-movie mean? What does it mean to you? I always thought a B-movie was just kind of a low-budget style of movie so the makers didn't have the big hollywood budget so they had to do what they could with what they had yeah and And a lot of times that results in some humor maybe or you know a certain look or feel to the movie that's right and that's kind of how we refer to it as today because when you look at the, the list of the
1: best uh quote unquote b movies there's a ton of movies made in the past like 20 or 30 years that are on there and basically now it just means low budget where ah, okay so in originally it meant to be the companion film of a double feature ah oh, interesting yeah so in you know the 1940s and the 1950s as they're uh, promoting the, the you know the drive-in culture and people would go to the movies and they'd stay there all night and see a double feature I mean that's it's like almost a lost art now to go see a double feature- <laughs> But when you go to the drive-in, you'd get there, and there would be the A movie, which would be the main event kind of thing. And then there would be the the B movie, which would be the—you know, you you went there to see the main event. Yeah, it's like the opening band. That's exactly right. So, like— Hollywood used to make opening bands for each of their shows. (laughs) In addition addition to the shorts, you know, like uh, the art of the cartoon short, like all the Bugs Bunny cartoons we grew up watching and and things like that were all made to be shown in between the B movie and the A movie. So that idea that, okay, now you have a film that's going to draw people to the drive-in or draw people to the theater and they expect something for their nickel... So like right. it, in those days, uh, you know, you paid for admission to, to the movie theater and you paid a nickel or whatever, and you got two movies, shorts, and sometimes the news.
0: And today, <laughs> What a deal. Yeah. Today we get trailers. We get ads. <laughs> right. So and, many ads. And then we get more ads. Ads for popcorn and right. concessions. Right. But very infrequently (laughs) do we get two movies for the
1: price of of one. So that was the idea. Like when uh, Quentin Tarantinos and Robert Rodriguez made the movie Grindhouse, like about 12 years ago now. The idea was that you have two features, both genre kind of things. Like Planet Terror was about a zombie invasion. And uh, Death Proof is about a guy in his killer car kind of thing. And it was supposed to be a throwback to the days of going to the movie theater, seeing a double feature and watching that, you know, the main event and, and the B movie and, and the stuff in between. And so I only ever got to experience that at the drive-in. Ah, okay. Right. Cause that's where we'd have double features. And I remember being, uh, you know, six or seven years old and my mother would always win tickets to the drive-in. And so we'd go see like the, you know, we we go see was at the drive in. So you'd see this is the year like Star Trek II came out and Rocky Three came out. And there'd be some lower budget movie before that, before Rocky Three or before Star Trek Two or whatever. And like the B movie to those would be Roger Corman. He's a famous, like the the cheapest director in history. <laughs> is you know, and he's been he Roger Corman been making movies, you know, since the early nineteen sixties, and he just makes super cheap Exploitation films with horror, you know, gore and stuff like that. Launched the careers of Francis Ford Coppola, who, you know, we talk about, we'll talk about more in the interview uh, that we have with the guys running the Twisted Dreams Film Festival in Milwaukee. He launched the career of, uh, well, Jack Nicholson. And wow. So, you now, you've seen Little Shop of Horror is the musical, right, Wendy? Yeah. Okay. So Little Shop of Horrors is based on this movie from 1962 that Roger Corman directed um, that wasn't uh, a comedy musical kind of thing. It was a horror movie about the plant that wanted to kill people or whatever. <laughs> and then they created the musical based on that. And then th- then they made the movie of the musical on it. So like you have something where a B-movie inspires this super famous musical I remember seeing in the theater and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's like Jack Nicholson plays one of the characters. And you just like, even you watch it, number one, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> but number two, you can see he already has the most charisma on the screen in the whole thing. You know, he, when he walks wow. in. you know, <laughs> cool. Everybody's like, you can see, well, this guy's going to be a star. But that's the kind of thing. So these movies would be shorter than the main event. They'd usually not, never run 90 minutes. They always run like almost 70 minutes, 75 minutes at the most. And they'd be made as cheap as possible. In the 1940s, they would use old western sets. neat. and so they would so they would just go like okay, we've got these western sets that were built in the 1930s for the original John Wayne movies and things like that. So now we're going to make a western out here. um And we can make it cheap because we don't have to build the sets or do anything like that. And then we can, or script. Okay, you got a you you wrote something. Great, we're gonna shoot, (laughs) and it's gonna be put on so people have something to watch before the main event. And in the 1950s, that's when it became like horror and sci-fi movies and things Ah, like that. Okay, they would just they'd reuse sets, um, they'd get cheapo scripts and things like that. So the reason that you love Joe Bob Briggs is because instead of Denigrating B pictures instead of denigrating genre films. And um, I mean, I went to film school in the 90s, and at film school in the 90s, there was a sense of there's art films and films done. Uh, for art's sake that are beautiful and slow and incredibly boring and then there's the other stuff that you got you know (laughs) there's and there's horror movies (laughs) and there's entertaining movies and so it was almost you know how people talked about they talked about movies as art and movies as salami or whatever (laughs) and the B-movies and the horror movies and the things that I liked were the salami. And my professors liked the high art, they yeah. like the, the gourmet stuff. What Joe Bob Briggs did is he brought the film critic sensibility to B-movies. He, mm. you know, he learned how to appreciate it. He learned how to treat them as the art form that they were. Because a lot of times you have to be extra creative. You have to be extra exploitative. You know, in the words, it's like, okay, well, this scene's pretty boring. Not if we put a naked girl in it, you know, or, you know, not if it, not if the creature ends up biting a guy's arm off. Good nice. idea. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's celebrating that kind of creativity and celebrating the work that these people put into these films, because even though they are the stepchildren, they literally are the stepchildren. They are the <laughs> right, you know, the, the little the redheaded cousin. Hey. Uh, <laughs> The redheaded, well, I'm a ginger beard. Uh, you know me. Um, but the redheaded cousin that doesn't get the same respect uh, as the main event. And uh, Joe Bob Briggs treated these films with the respect and affection uh, that I have always felt they deserved. And uh, he's got his new show, The Last Drive-In, um, which is just coming on to uh, the Shutter Network. And it celebrates all these films. Uh, He's also got a one-man show with like, we chose 250 clips. We talk about this in the interview. And he's going to be doing it in Milwaukee on Saturday, April 6th. So let's start out by talking to the people who start this event, which is celebrating low-budget, independent, horror genre films, people who are making B-movies for us. And you have a chance to see 100 of them in Milwaukee this weekend, so um, let's talk to the guys from the Twisted Dreams Film Festival. I'm excited to bring on the co-directors of the Milwaukee Twisted Dreams Film Festival, and that's Steve millick and Chris House. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing in Brew City today?
2: Doing great. Yeah, day right here. He's looking fantastic. Good. So it's gonna be a. Good times coming up.
1: All right. So this festival is going to be starting on April 4th. It's April 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. And can you give us a little idea about what Twisted Dreams is all about?
3: Oh, it's all about horror films. It's a celebration of the macabre. That was our, our tagline from the beginning. It's just really just a collection of some of the most amazing independent films from around the world. Yeah.
2: One of the things we wanted to do is highlight different aspects of horror. And it's one of the things I love about the festival um, is that, you know, what some people consider horror and other people is always this argument, but there's lots of different ways you can turn horror and we try to find, you know, all kinds of different variety of horror films, you know. Um, and I think this year we have a really great selection and like a variety. Um, so our first year we have a comedy block and a monster block. So we have all, everything you can, uh, every different kind of horror you could think of have
1: that's awesome so what is your background are you guys filmmakers yourself or you just horror fans I mean it is uh it is a pain in the butt to put together an event especially something over four days getting everybody together and the theaters and the whole thing what inspired you to want to put together a you know a genre festival like this in
3: Milwaukee well we decided that you know cities around Milwaukee like Chicago, Madison, Oshkosh, you know, literally this circle around Milwaukee all had great horror film festivals, but there was nothing in Milwaukee at the time. We we had had a couple of short-lived horror film festivals but nothing that really stuck around so we decided if nobody's going to do it we might as well do it ourselves so our first year we knew nothing about film festivals we're big film festival fans we've been to a lot of film festivals so we kind of emulated everything that we saw at a big film festival and tried to do that on our own
2: yeah it was a little tough getting started yeah pretty much just jumped in deep first and you know winged the first year and you know every year we learned something a little different but yeah so yeah trying to start something new. And, you know, we knew there was a big horror base here in Milwaukee, uh, lots of great horror fans, but we wanted to give them something uh, of their own instead of having to travel a couple hours to someplace else. So that was the inspiration. That's why we wanted to do it.
1: Well, and as someone that um, grew up in, in Milwaukee and was a sponsor of the Madison Horror Film Festival for several years, oh, wow. uh, the, the guy that ran that used to live in my condo, <laughs> so um, I completely appreciate and support what you guys what you guys are doing, and it's awesome. So uh, to give people maybe a little more insight into you, why don't you guys both give us a couple of your favorite horror movies, and you know ones that inspired you, and it can be a deep cut if you want, or we won't even judge if it's something uh, pedestrian. I mean, judge a little, but not too much.
3: Yeah. Well, for me. You know, I know that a lot of horror fans will disagree and they they call me not a real horror fan, but I say The Exorcist is one of the best horror films ever made. I mean it's it's truly a classic, you know. My favorite movie of all time is Jaws, although I don't know if I'd classify that as really a horror film or, you know, an action and adventure horror film, but
1: I think the girl in the bikini in the beginning, she classifies <laughs> it as a horror film.
3: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jaws is my favorite movie. I love The Exorcist, you know. I love the classics, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, Evil Dead. I love all those movies. So
1: all right, you know, fantastic. and as, as, a, as a
3: kid for me growing up, I was lucky because my mom loved movies and I grew up in the 80s. So, you know, she took me to all these movies. I got to see Evil Dead 2 in the theater. I got to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in the theater. So I was, was pretty lucky. You know, my mom would probably be really harshly judged today by bringing me to those kinds of oh, movies. Yeah. But, you know, forget about it. Bringing a kid to see <clears throat> yeah. I,
1: the, the thing is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre classic based on our man Ed Gein in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So You know, shout out the Plainfield, y'all. No, yeah. um, no, but uh, I I remember watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre as like a twelve year old mm-hmm. when it was first shown on like Channel eighteen, mm-hmm. and I had to I had to hide it or whatever, like my I like taped it. I told my parents I was taping something else because my parents were cool about horror movies, but they showed me Night of the Living Dead when I was six and I cried so much they were like we're gonna we're gonna keep you from horror movies for a while, and and so the fact that your mom especially even at like. Evil Dead Two was a mainstream release, but it still wasn't, you know, what eventually it would become. And Sam Raimi still wasn't the director that he would eventually be, like the right. the Spider Man guy. I mean, he was still in the days of, you know, his B movie kind of days. So uh, that's a real lucky thing that your mom loved movies and would love to expose you to them, especially because now, I mean, if they you brought a kid into the theater like all the other parents would be like, um, should we call child protective yeah, services? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what is some of your favorites, Steve?
3: So, um,
2: you know, my first exposure to horror films, I was uh, in fourth grade, I went to my first sleepover, and, like, a bunch of guys and, like, kids, and we're just like, oh, you know, friend punch, put in some horror films, so, um, I've been for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, is the first horror film I watched, so that was, you know, ingrained in me, it's one of my favorites. Uh, the Stuff, is another one, like, that was, like, a one-two uh, film for the night, was sort of Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff, so. Um, I was hooked on horror, you know. All right. And RIP
1: Larry Cohen, he just died this week.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I know, that's very sad. So, yeah, I mean, that's what got me into horror. And, you know, me and my friend, you know, we would go to the video store and rent horror films, you know. Um, my mom was not happy about it. She did not. <laughs> she, she's like, why can't you rent Disney films? Why do you need to rent horror films? She didn't stop us, but she, you know, made it clear she was not totally uh, on board with it, but. Yeah, she didn't stop us. So, you know, we watched uh, some hard films and um, just I've always enjoyed the hard film. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's how it all kind of came about.
1: Sure. It, it, it's that thing like when you're a kid and you, it's the, it's a little bit, the forbiddenness of it a little bit, right. the nature of it that it's, this is for older kids and then it's the, the transgression and the gruesomeness. I mean, we all had that like one friend whose parents let him watch horror films. Chris, it sounds like you were that friend for yeah, a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I was that
4: kid,
0: yeah.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, so uh, one sleepover like in fifth grade, we're at, uh, you know, like in the card for the invitation for the sleepover, it said, uh, warning, we're going to watch horror movies here. So if your kid's not in horror movies, then, um, you know, he might not want to come. <laughs> And so, we're, we're, so we watched House <laughs> Two and Hellraiser. Was this is, you know we were all maybe this is all sixth right. grade or fifth grade or whatever. So House Two and Hellraiser. Um, House Two, the lesser of the houses, but still had some good moments. Uh, mm-hmm. But so in the middle of Hellraiser, like our dad's friend runs into the room wearing a mask and a chainsaw, <laughs> and he's just like ah. And you could see all like like a bunch of eleven year old boys like you know everybody pee to touch, (laughs) just a little bit. And then later on, when we're watching House, like he he like was peeking in through the windows and doing his best to scare the crap out of us. And you just have those those moments that it's that not only were you having fun watching the horror movie and there's the excitement in your heart uh, when you're watching it. It's also Everything gets amplified. and The emotions get amplified because you think that your friend's dad might kill you.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and you you touched on something there that you're watching with a group of friends. That's really the best way to watch a horror film and a group of friends. And that's another reason why we started the festival, you know, to get a group of people together to watch these movies because you feed off the excitement of each other.
1: And when you're talking about um, the excitement of watching the movies, what are some of the movies that you guys are most excited about showing people and maybe premiering or um, that you're excited you're able to present to the world? Are there any particular favorites this year that you guys are super excited about?
3: Uh, well, for me, I think Amazon Hotbox is probably my most anticipated one. I think that's it's just a crazy, you know, exploitation, grindhouse kind of film. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Fang is another one that I'm looking forward to. It's got great special effects. Uh, live Scream, which is our first feature length animated film there's there's just so many it's hard to pick it's it's like picking a favorite child you know we, we love all these movies
2: i know yeah say so we picked them all so these are ones we love I, I am excited to see people's reaction to amazon hotbox because it is just this crazy exploitation film that is just going to blow people's minds so well, let
1: me read the let me read the description of amazon hotbox right. real quick <laughs> Uh, An American college student named Penny is erroneously apprehended during a dissident roundup in the Banana Republic of Radica. She is incarcerated into the island penal system overseen by Wardress von Krupp, who is constructing the world's greatest information extractor. Crocodiles, religious zealots, psycho inmates, and voodoo-based experiments block her every escape. Life is cheap, and the jungle explodes in Amazon Hotbox. Um. Number one, I love that because first of all, I, I thought it was going to be some kind of like cannibal Holocaust kind of thing, but it's like, oh no, now we're moving to a women in prison movie,
2: right? The women and it's a little bit of everything, like you know, if you love seventies exploitation, you know, yeah, had women in prison, you know, you know, Nazi, you know, wardens, it's just crazy, and yeah, the plot's you know secondary, but it's just you know, every scene is something even more crazy than a scene previous, so it's just. um yeah, it's just a trip to watch that. So I'm excited to see that in the theater with a the group of people. Because that's the kind of one, you know, I, I want to see how people react to that. Because it's going to be, you know, insane. Awesome. Um, another one of my movies that I'm excited for is uh, Straight Edge Kegger. It's a little bit more of a slow burn. So it um, starts off a little bit slow, but it's got this really cool story about this guy that's trying to leave um, this cult-like uh, straight edge gang. And um, the consequences of what happens after he leaves. But um, yeah, it's been getting, like, really good positive reviews, so I'm glad that we're going to be able to—we had the Wisconsin premiere. So, um, so, yeah, I'm excited for that, just to see people's reaction um, to that one.
1: And let me let me read the description of Straight Edge Craig here, because I, I love it. A young punk and a house full of drunks right. square off against a gang of militant straight edgers that he's abandoned. And it sounds like, you know, Green Room meets a, Assault on Precinct 13, or something like that, you know, like, like an idea—
2: yeah, and you know, and I honestly, you know, I didn't know that much about the schedule. I didn't know that was a big thing in the punk scene. But, um, so but yeah, so it's like an interesting and, you know, it has like that little bit of morality, you know, like, you know, sometimes you try to do good and, uh, some you take it too far and you're no, no longer the good person. So it's got, you know, some interesting, uh, things about, uh, just a society, you know, as we are. So, um, I'm excited for that one. I like that. Is one of my favorites. sounds like it has a lot
1: of violence, too, and I like that. Oh,
2: yeah. It goes crazy at some point and just total violence. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet.
1: I'm also interested in, and this is perfect for uh, fans of our podcast, because we discuss cryptids all the time. Uh, cryptid, if this is the first time you're listening, or uh, if you're only listening because you uh, heard that the uh, Twisted Dreams guys are going to be on, or, or Joe Bob Briggs was going to be on. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the Lake Michigan monster. So so a cryptid is an animal whose existence, um, you know, is rumored but yet not yet proven. So like Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, um, uh, or, or, or creatures creatures like that. And so at seven fifteen p.m. on Sunday, this looks like it's a closer mm-hmm. of the festival. Yes. It's going to be the Lake Michigan monster. So let's talk a little bit about this movie. Was this done by, uh, is this a local guy? Is it a Chicago guy? Who is Ryland Tews? Uh,
2: yeah, he's a local uh, Milwaukee filmmaker. Um, I've never heard of him until, you know, this movie started making a film festival round. And, um, yeah, it's just this bizarre monster comedy about this sea captain trying to avenge his father's death. from This monster that lives in Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, it's just
3: this crazy fun film. Uh, it's like Moby Dick set on Lake Michigan, <laughs> with a lot more okay. comedy. <laughs> it's,
1: you know, Moby Dick on Lake Michigan versus a sea monster, uh, versus what a, a Lovecraftian sea monster. That sounds like a recipe for Wisconsin pride, guys. That's right. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, this movie it's been playing at a lot of film festivals, especially in in Wisconsin. So we're we're pretty happy to have it.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's exciting, because the thing is, I don't know if you guys realize that um, when I was growing up, we never heard about all the different monsters that inhabited uh, the lakes around Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know So like it wasn't until you started looking in the newspapers from the 19th century, and you realize that um, Lake Geneva had their own sea monster. Uh, we, ha- we had a sea monster in Madison on, on Lake Monona and Mendota in, in the early 1920s he became uh like there was in all the papers and the students called him uh Bajo huh. short for like Winnie Bajo, which is a, um, a native American word for, uh, like a, like some kind of like Lake spirit kind of thing. I'm probably butchering that a little bit, but it was, um, now we even call, uh, there's a local like blog in Madison called the Bajo named after our own kind of Nessie. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so much fun that in, uh, you know, we think like, oh no, all the fun monsters are in Europe or they're in other parts of the country, and it's like, no, yeah, oh no. we have we we have plenty right here, uh, and so that's a that's a, the Lake Michigan monster sounds like a, a real exciting one, um, and I I can't wait to check that out. Um, so you guys are having not only. Not only movies, but it's also going to be uh, panel discussions and things like that. So can you preview maybe a couple of the panels or a couple of things that you're doing maybe for filmmakers or just film fans?
2: So we've got two panels going on, mostly for filmmakers, but you know, fans are more than welcome to come. The first panel is actually a fascinating panel on Saturday. Where we talked about um, short films and um, like the art of making a short film. So... Uh, a lot of people dismiss short films just because they're they're just like, oh, they're shorts and not they don't really count. But what fascinates me about short films is that you can tell a, a really good story in 10 minutes. So, you know, and this is kind of talking about how to tell this story that, you know, some people might take an hour and a half or whatever, but you can tell it in 10 minutes and make it a really compelling, have all like the three-act structure and stuff. So that's going to be Saturday um, it's called The Art of Short Filmmaking. Our friend, Rod Brady is going to be uh, hosting that, and uh, a group of uh, great, talented filmmakers going to be part of that uh, panel. Uh, then on Sunday, we're going to talk about um, some more gear to our filmmakers and how to distribute their films once they're made. Uh, a lot of films at um, festivals are independent, you know, homemade, um, especially at smaller festivals like ours, They're not, you know, premiering at Sundance, where they're going to get picked up. So kinda of wanted to have an information thing for filmmakers how to um help get their film released and find studios and get more people to see it because really that's the ultimate goal of filmmakers is get people to see their film. So um the panel on Sunday is kinda of geared towards that trying to get talking to filmmakers who have done it and uh giving them tips on what to do.
1: That sounds awesome. And Saturday night obviously you have a you guys have a, a, a real um a really uh Exciting, you know, presentation for Milwaukee particularly is that uh, you got your special event at 7 p.m. on Saturday, April 6th, How the Redneck Saved Hollywood, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs. How did you get the the man behind the B-movie
3: uh, coming come to Milwaukee? Well, we just asked him. Awesome. We, we just asked him. No, it was uh, Steve contacted his assistant and we went back and forth for a while and eventually we reached an agreement and uh, yeah, he's coming out and pretty excited. know, tickets are pretty cheap compared to what they were at South by Southwest. I heard they were, you know, selling secondhand for upwards to, you know, $500. So you can come see him at our festival for $20, get the same show.
1: Yeah, it it was really exciting when we were down at South by, you could see, you know, Joe Bob Briggs, they, they had his posters all over the place. Um, and everybody was really excited about it. And then he's just like, well, yeah, I'm being in Milwaukee too. And you're like, what? Yeah. You know, you're like, that's, did he really, that's did he mention the, that down there? Yeah. Oh, no, he, well, he mentioned, awesome. he mentioned it when I was interviewing him and we're going to okay. get to that, uh, right. just in a couple of minutes, uh, everybody, our conversation with Joe Bob Briggs of South by, and he's like, well, I'm doing it in Milwaukee too. I'm like,
0: what? That's awesome. <laughs> and so
1: I got really excited, uh, got really excited to know that he was coming home, coming to our home. Uh, To talk about these same kind of things. And, and uh, just to preview that to you guys, it's, um, he uses like 250 clips to talk about uh, the history of rednecks in America as told through like classic B movies, some mainstream stuff and uh how hollywood and the film industry uh has used rednecks in ways that you don't even understand and so that's going to be uh 7 people and tickets for all this stuff are at twisteddreamsff.com mm-hmm. if you're interested in coming if you're anywhere in the midwest it's going to be worth checking out twisteddreamsff.com and of course we'll have links to that uh in our show notes at uh, othersidepodcast.com/242 Now, Chris, I had a question for you uh, in particular, because obviously we're really into the paranormal here. And uh, I know you remember the paranormal investigators in Milwaukee. And my my sister was associated with you guys. Allison from Milwaukee Ghost was associated with you guys for a long time.
3: Oh yeah. Allison Jordan. Yes. Oh yeah. I know her. Very nice. Yeah.
1: So we always call, uh, you know, like ghost stories and weird stuff, the family business. Yeah. Nice. So as a paranormal investigator, um, do you feel that like horror films uh, maybe have inspired, you know, it, it are one of the inspirations of, as to why you started wanting to learn more about the strange world on the other side?
3: I think so. Yeah. You know, being that I was, you know, so young when I started watching horror films, I, you know, I was more, you know, scared of the dark, I guess, maybe, you know, scared of the unknown. So I think that, yeah, definitely helped develop my passion for the paranormal. I, you know, I love investigating. I love the paranormal. I love that. That. The whole aspect of, you know, haunted houses and ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think so.
1: So you've been on a lot of investigations, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of paranormal TV. We've all had our uh, we've all had our moments with the ghost hunters and, oh, yeah. and Zach Baggins yep. and, his, and his his ghost adventures crew, oh, yeah. brother. Yep, Hollywood Baggins. Right. <laughs> so, do you feel that's any particular film that really represents what it's like to? go on a modern paranormal
3: investigation that's a good question you know there was uh there's a movie called grave encounters which is about a paranormal investigator that kind of gets trapped on a location um, that one I I really liked you know I, I know a lot of paranormal investigators don't really like that movie but that's one that I really feel that represents you know what's what actual paranormal investigating is about so it's called grave encounters they made a sequel to it too so but check out part one
1: all right. And that, that sounds like a good one that maybe a lot of people haven't seen too. Yeah. So, it's an unknown,
3: uh, it's an unknown film for sure.
1: That's a good recommendation. Like I always thought one of the, um, one, one of the best examples of how real paranormal investigation happens was the Blair Witch Project actually, because yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing happens for two hours.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, that's what paranormal so, investigating is. You that's know, just like sitting it. Sitting in the dark all night talking to yourself.
1: And um, if there was a movie just about reviewing footage and listening for EVPs, uh, that's the one I'd like to see as well, where it's just like a guy with headphones on, sitting in mm-hmm. front of a computer for six hours, hoping to
3: see something. That sums and it up, yep.
2: Sounds kind of like The conversation um, um that old Gene Hackman film, and he sits there and listens to Conversations, uh, not paranormal, but it's the same concept sitting
1: there no that's exactly <laughs> right though that I you know I've never even thought about it like that right that's Francis Ford Coppola from like 1974 that's that's the one he right made after was it before or after it was in between the Godfathers I think it was in be, it was in between
2: the Godfathers I think or someone like that it was around there but I think it was in between
1: right but. you want to talk about a guy at the top of his game Godfather then the conversation then the Godfather too like he should have just took all the awards
2: right so yeah but I mean that's kind of like the same thing that, like I mean it's a very slow moving film that this guy is re-listening to conversation. I can't remember the whole plot of the movie, but I just remember it's watching this is very compelling for a guy just listening and re-listening to something, you know? So
1: Oh my god, that's a um right, make a movie called the EVP. <laughs> right. And it can that's a, <laughs> <be> a
3: pretty <laughs> right. I'll, 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 I'll pretty i will I'm a very boring film if you listen to that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um that's good so the, where are some of the theaters you guys are having this stuff at
2: yeah it's it's all at the times cinema uh in yeah. milwaukee here. so uh all the films are gonna be there
1: all right cool so um the milwaukee uh twisted dreams film festival next week at the times cinema the april 4th through 7th um it's a chance to to support uh local and independent filmmakers number one and also see the kind of stuff uh you're never gonna you know, you, you never have a chance to see, and it's all curated, so it's always always gonna be pretty good. Sponsored by the, you know, some of the sponsors are the Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference, who um, we're obviously in bed with because we we love what T's doing. And uh, well you guys are having a, a award show too, right? Uh,
2: we're not gonna have a. We're having an opening night party. We'll give away uh, some a uh, few awards there. Um, we're not having a specific award show. Uh, we usually give away our awards after, like announce the awards after the festival. But um, yeah, we have an opening night party. Well, let's talk about Friday
3: night because it's a big night. Yeah, Friday we're giving Mark Borkhart his Backbone of Horror Award. And, and Mark
1: Borkhart, to everybody, is the featured filmmaker in the movie, American Movie. Right. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it it's a documentary, I think it's on Netflix, but it's even if it's not, it's worth like it's worth watching because he's a horror filmmaker from Milwaukee and it's about his struggles and uh, his can do attitude in the face of tons of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um and it's done by Chris Smith, who just did the uh Firefest documentary for Netflix. That's brilliant. Right.
2: So yeah, we set up Friday with like a, a block of local films, like all from Wisconsin, so from all around Wisconsin. And stick around and get, yeah, give him Mark, 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 for coffee there, receiving his, uh, backbone of Wisconsin horror. Uh, he's influenced so many people. Like, so many, like, it's like, amazing how many people come up to us. Like, oh, do you know Mark? You know, you know, he's done this for me. I, he's such an influence on me. It's just like, yeah, his can do attitude is just never die, never say die. You know, it's just that it's catchy. And that's why people want to make film because of what he did. So it's like, there's no one more deserving than, you know, than him for this, you know, inspiring people.
3: And if you if you talk to Mark, if you talk to Mark, he doesn't want anything to do with American movie. He doesn't want to be associated with it. Just doesn't want. Oh, to. No, no. Yeah, he wants to be known for his own thing. So sure,
1: I, I mean, I can I can completely understand that too. That yeah. just that's my introduction to him. Yep,
3: yep. Uh, Same here. Same here. Right.
2: Well, I mean, that's everyone's. You know, that's kind of like how like it's weird. Yeah, it's like that's how people know. Him. But you know, so yeah, you know, he's such an inspiration to people. It's
1: funny, my brother-in-law. Uh, was, he's like an amateur photographer. And so he's out there, he was like at the, the drive-in or whatever, like in the, in the late nineties where they, and he sees all these people dressed up strange. And because he's married to my sister, Allison Jornlin, who's a, a loves the weird. Mm-hmm. He was like, holy crap. And he's taking these pictures. And he, you know, comes back and tells her like, I saw all these people dressed up like it was some kind of religious ceremony. And I don't know exactly what it's all about. <laughs> and they thought it was some kind of cult activity or whatever until they saw American movie. And they realized he had stumbled on the shooting of Coven.
3: Oh, really? oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Like what
1: a random thing, like a, <laughs> yeah. like the, the the right place at the right, right time, I guess. And then. He's like, you know, I didn't know what I saw. And then I saw the movie. I'm like, oh my God, it wasn't, it was, they were just shooting the horror movie. Hmm. So, all right. If people want to learn, uh, you know, more about you guys as, uh, individuals or artists or anything like that, is there a, a website or can they follow you on Twitter or anything like that?
3: Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm more active on Facebook. Just look me up. Christopher Kai house. Yeah. I'm on Twitter uh, okay.
2: also. Um, I have my Twitter. I don't use twitter a whole lot but you know, feel free to seek me out on that movie rph all right you know so
3: um yeah check us out that's such a boring it's such a boring twitter handle he <laughs> used to be the film bully i talked to him being the, the film bully for a while but he changed it back i don't know why movie rph is just boring come on steve gotta change it back <laughs> yeah why? i gotta come up with something different
2: i know i was just thinking I was like, yeah, it's kind of boring So
1: you could be oh. shaming people online for their poor film choices. <laughs>
2: could be. Which
1: I, I think that might be the only good reason to shame people online is because they don't <laughs> appreciate good movies or, right. even, or even appreciate uh, classic B movies uh, like our next guest will. And coming up uh, is our conversation with uh, Joe Bob Briggs, from South by Southwest, and you can see Joe Bob do his How Redneck Saved Hollywood at the Milwaukee Twisted Dreams Film Festival, Saturday, April 6th at 7 o'clock, and we encourage you guys to go to the whole festival and support local filmmakers, independent, and cool genre horror as much as possible, and you can find all of that at twisteddreamsff.com. Steve and Chris, thank you very much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Good luck with the film festival. We hope it Kills. Thanks. Right. Thank you. Starting up a conversation, number one, with one of my B-movie heroes, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. And Joe Bob, thank you very much for joining us today, talking for a couple of minutes uh, about what you're up to. You know, one of the things about, uh, I'd say, horror, sci-fi, all the great stuff from the 50s and 60s and 70s that we love, is that they were trying to make a great movie. You know what I mean? And in the, in the end, it turned out to be something that often was so bad it was good. So do you have any movies that, that you've seen and presented that are like, you thought they were going to be like almost great and it just like came to the edge? Like was an unsung film that maybe never, like was almost there but didn't quite get there?
4: Um, one that comes to mind immediately is a film called Wolfen. That's about these rampaging, rabid, uh spirit wolf creatures that rampage through the Bronx um, first first movie I think that ever used the steady cam and so it's kind of scary because you see the wolves going through the the uh, debris of the Bronx but um, uh, the reason that the 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 horror and sci-fi movies of the 50s 60s and 70s uh, sometimes fall short as you might point out is that there was no there was no big budget horror and sci-fi all horror and sci-fi was a were were, those were despised genres anything that had aliens spaceships monsters ghosts that 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 was all low budget stuff because the studios wouldn't make that stuff so you had um not until like 2001 a space odyssey and star wars those were the first two uh big budget sci-fi movies Big-budget horror doesn't exist really until, I don't know, like the Stand miniseries in 1990, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so everything that was, that was made in the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s that we call genre films was, was low-budget. So it's a miracle if they make a great film. <laughs> they had no resources, uh, but nevertheless, we have some great films from that from those periods. But I love you talking about Wolfen. It's also written by the same guy that wrote Communion.
1: So Whitley Strieber, who you know started off as a genre kind of author and think came became a paranormal guy and basically invented the whole gray alien like trope because we all saw that Communion book in the. You know, the grocery stores had, like, this alien abduction book on their shelves. So, uh, no, I haven't seen Wolfen in about 15 years, and that is a fine pick. <laughs> so there wasn't a big budget and everything like that. And what would you say is... Um like the Stand miniseries, Mick Garris, that's, you know, the Stephen King, like four different nights. Uh, you know, I remember that very, you know, very well. That was my prom weekend. And I remember I had to tape like the last episode of The Stand so I could make sure they could see it because I had to go to prom. But what do you think's changed a little bit in like modern horror? Now, the stuff you're presenting on The Last Drive-In, obviously you started with Tourist Trap, which is a movie that I thought I made up. Like, I'm like, yeah, the guy from The Rifleman, like, turning people into mannequins. (laughs) You know? I'm like, that's a real movie. Um, And so, but, you you know, take films like that, and and like the the classic drive-in movies, and actually she what is your definition of a drive-in film? Like, we just said genre films and stuff like that, but what would be the kind of, like, that you present specifically on uh, The
4: Last Drive-In? Well, um... I asked Roger Corman years ago what are the elements, what are the basic elements of the exploitation film, and, then, and he gave me a long academic answer, but I refined that down into the three Bs, blood, breasts, and beasts. <laughs> if you have all three, you got a drive-in movie. And, uh, uh, and, the, and, and you know, there are, per- there are periods where other genres come and go, like kung fu. There's periods where we watch martial arts, periods where we don't watch martial arts. But horror is forever. Sci-fi is forever. <laughs> you know, monster movies are forever. And so uh, those are the basics of, uh, of the drive-in film. What
1: was your first one? What was your gateway? To
4: My gateway film for... Uh, gateway the, gateway. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one in the 70s. Um, that was the first movie I ever saw where I thought, this movie actually could have been made by a maniac. <laughs> and so, you um, know, uh, when you watch it a second or a third time, you start to see the comedy elements in it. But when you watch it the first time, it's it's a terrifying film. That's why I always tell these guys, these young filmmakers that want to make horror comedy, you know, somehow they think that's going to be easier. I say, watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It has a lot of comedy in it, but you don't get to do the comedy unless you do the horror right first. <laughs> you
1: know, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was actually filmed right here in Austin. Uh, you know, Toby Hooper and stuff uh, right down here. That that makes that's a. I was talking about that with a, a crew yesterday. Who had, we talked to a couple of horror comedy people, and I said, finding that right balance, you know, between you know the jokes into the, like the, the terror and stuff like that. So speaking of horror comedy, I like that you picked Texas Chainsaw because it does have like the grandfather like sucking on her finger and stuff. You get grossed out, you're like, oh my God. But then the third time you watch it, you're like, this part's hilarious kind of thing. So maybe, you know what, what are a couple of your favorite horror comedy films that you think find the balance exactly right?
4: I'll tell you what the balance is. The balance is 80% horror, 20% comedy. If you go 80% comedy, 20% horror, uh, it doesn't work. Then you get Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, you know, and but but uh, Basket Case has it exactly right. Um, there's very funny things in Basket Case, but it's basically a horror film. It's it's a strong horror film. I mean, the the climactic scene where the monster commits a rape is a very very difficult scene to watch, and yet it's hysterical. I mean, it's just like Basket Case is one of those movies that gives you the creeps because of what you're feeling and you're, af- you're ashamed of what you're feeling. You're ashamed of what you're laughing at. You know, that's a good horror comedy.
1: Sounds good. Um, as someone that has enjoyed genre films and has done a lot of film criticism yourself, what's a film that you think the best written horror film? Maybe not the best, like, committed to actual, like, celluloid. But what do you think? Where the writer had a fantastic idea, the dialogue was great, and where you're sitting there going, this, "The guy that wrote this really knew what he was doing."
4: Well, if you're talking about international films, I would say um, "Daughters of Darkness" um, is a great um, Belgian, probably the best Belgian horror film, <laughs> maybe the only, maybe the only Belgian horror <laughs> film. Uh, but um, uh, Mainly because um, European writers do something that American should do one thing better than American writers, and that is they can write screenplays that have virtually no dialogue. there's There's very little dialogue in Daughters of Darkness. What there is is very well written, but it's a pure screenplay in that it's all about, the action and it's very subtle action. I mean, it's just four characters in an empty hotel, uh, and yet it, it's compelling from beginning to end. I would say that's really fine screenwriting.
1: That's a great example too, because the whole idea is that a really great movie could be one that you could watch without the sound on, right? And then still still enjoy the film and know what's going on because otherwise you're just looking at a book coming like, <laughs> at the screen. Now we do do paranormal stuff, so. Have you ever seen a ghost?
4: I've never seen a ghost. I haven't really tried hard to see a ghost. I'm not really a ghost person. I do like ghost stories because... But I'll tell you the secret to great ghost stories. The ghost needs to be a child, and it needs, the child needs to be an asshole. The angry, vindictive child is the best ghost ever. Yeah, or the changeling. You know, that's a good ghost. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so you know, yeah. So my advice to the—I hate the the uh, ghost movies where the ghost is trying to be your friend. You know, those are those are not fun at all. But the but the vengeance-seeking, angry dead child ghost—I love those.
1: That sounds good. That sounds good. So.
4: The means of production now are a lot easier
1: than ever, right? Anybody can get, like, we're just, I mean, we're talking today on just the, the camera, having fun, and people can make great looking films for not a lot of money. Is there any films that came out in the past couple of years that you think captures that spirit of the drive in that you grew up loving?
4: Um, House of the Devil, definitely. Um, Deathgasm. Have you seen Deathgasm? <laughs> um, uh, that's one of the well, that's one of the movies from the old genre. Doesn't exist anymore. About um, maybe there are satanic messages in the music, and maybe that if you play the music in a in a certain sort of way, the the devil appears. Yeah.
1: an amazing stories <laughs> episode where the kids play the record backwards and whatever.
4: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's one of those um obviously get out uh obviously well, shape of water is a monster movie. it won the academy Award, you know, so yeah yeah, exactly. you know, who would think that a rubber suit monster uh in twenty eighteen would win the academy Award, but it did um so um uh yeah, we kind of live in uh we we live in the age of retro horror where everyone's looking back and trying to remake stuff from. Previous eras, that's not good. That's not good for the long term. We need to be making new, new scary films.
2: Absolutely.
1: And, and you know, just to final up so the, the show that you're doing tonight, How Rednecks Saves Hollywood, you're also going to be doing it at the Twisted Dreams Festival in Milwaukee. Give us why should people come to that festival? Number, you know, like, what are
4: they going to see? Well, first of all, I hope all the rednecks in Milwaukee will show up for the show. <laughs> okay, you know, I want both rednecks from Milwaukee to show for the show, but but uh, uh, it's uh, the, the show is a whole history of um, of um, of the redneck, the 400 year history of the redneck as told through cinema, and then uh, it's 250 clips and stills, it goes really fast. It's basically a stand-up act with clips, Uh, but uh, uh, I've done it all over the country. I used to only do it in the South because it's very, very politically incorrect. I used to only do it in 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 cities that love their Confederate monuments, you know, and then a guy asked me to do it. At, <laughs> okay, a guy asked me to do it in in Boston, and I said I don't know, I don't know if I if I can go there. And he said, No, 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 they'll they'll love you. And I said, Well, be sure to get all the rednecks to the show, and so I did it in Boston, and I survived. And so since then, I've done it. I did it in Minneapolis. I've I've done it in other northern uh, cities. So I so I'm 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 counting on. I'm counting on the alcoholic history of Milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to to serve me well as I tell the story of the guys who fought the whiskey rebellion. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And so, when you crashed the
1: Shutter servers last year, like it really was a like a story that was like lighting up my Twitter feed because I follow all these horror guys and stuff. And. Um, did did you realize that your movie marathon would break Shutter?
4: <laughs> no, when it first happened, I was kind of pissed off. It was like people were calling me up saying, "Joe Bob, you realize what happened? You just crashed Shutter, and you cra- I just didn't just crash Shutter. I crashed the Sundance Channel too. <laughs> and they said, I said uh, uh, you crashed the internet." I said, "Well, did any was anybody able to watch the show?" No, isn't it great? It's wonderful. Nobody saw the show. And I'm like, you know, uh, we, we worked kind of hard on that show. You know? and it was like, no, this is great. This is the best thing that could ever happen. You know, people love you. They didn't see the show. How could they love me? <laughs> it was like, and so uh, fortunately, they were able to put it up on demand and people were able to watch it later. So uh, it was probably good publicity for the show that they couldn't watch it. <laughs> So one last question, what
1: movie have you not featured yet that you're dying to feature? Like if there's a season two or you get another shot or you're like, man, we just never had a chance to get this movie. So what, what movies Like, would you like to monster vision for? us?
4: I would love to show The Howling 7, the movie that killed the Howling franchise. One of the worst movies ever made, <laughs> but it has a certain cult value. Uh, we've, we've, we've tried to get it. We can't find it. They put a new title on it to disguise the fact that it's the Howling 7. They now call it the Howling New Moon Rising, but it's still the Howling 7, and we would still love to show it, but, but we just can't, we can't find anybody that can sell it to us. It's unclear who owns it. Um, but, uh, uh, we would like to show that. We, we would like to have a, a, um, Friday the 13th Marathon. Which is something I did on uh, the Monster Vision years ago um, because young people who binge watch the Friday the 13th series have very strong opinions about which one is better than the others. If you watched them like me, you know, they came Every every couple of years there was one. So they all blend together. I have no idea the difference between Friday the 13th 5 and Friday the 13th 3. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So I don't, I don't know, I don't understand the the raging online arguments about which Friday the Thirteenth is better. So I want to have a marathon where we can sort it all out once and for all. Hopefully, we can do that in Madison. The,
1: the howling is an excellent pick too, because like. They lost me after they went to Australia or whatever. We're like howling the marsupials, like the marsupial werewolves. That's perfect. Anyway, thank you very much, Joe Bob. And uh, do you have a website that people can go to
4: if they want to learn more about you? I'm everywhere. Yeah, you can go to joebobbriggs.com and write to me. Or... Your Twitter is like the, the real Joe Bob? Twitter is the real Joe Bob. That's where I am most days, yeah.
1: All right. And so I did kind of fanboy out there when we were at the table. <laughs> like I had to have a, I had a beer to calm my nerves or whatever. I was like, oh, i just have a beer I'll sit there. And to let you guys in on uh, the situation. So we were in this uh, hotel at South by Southwest and it's packed with people. Everybody's running around. In the lobby of the hotel. Yeah. Right. In the, in the, in the lobby of the hotel. And Joe Bob's assistant was like, okay, well, If you can catch him for a few minutes, we can do an interview in person today. I'm like, fantastic. And everybody's talking. I'm like, how is this going to work? Like, how is he going to know who we are? Like, I had to email his assistant. I'm like, tell him I'm the guy with the scarf. I'm the guy with the scarf, and I had a guitar with us too. And so um, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh my God, I really hope this works. And when it finally did, and you find out uh, he's charming, funny, loves to talk about this stuff. Like, he even put up with all of my you know, questions where he must have been like, uh, oh, another guy that thinks he knows about movies, <laughs> but uh he's just kidding himself and he and he did it with a plum. So yes. if you're in Milwaukee this weekend, make sure to check out his awesome live show, How the Redneck Saved Hollywood, and you're gonna have a great time. And make sure to check out the Twisted Dreams Film Festival. All right. My favorite quote from Joe Bob is probably the one about the three B's, Wendy. Oh boy. Yeah. Right, because we're talking about the things that a good B-movie needs. And number one, it's probably going to have some violence in it because it's appealing to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, you know, true. Right? Because the thing is, is there's artwork and, and then there's the lowest common denominator stuff. And sometimes you love the lowest common denominator. You know, sometimes Neanderthals like me just like to watch a bunch of guys punch each other. And so wow. the first, the first B in a grade B movie is gonna have blood, cheap, gross-out special effects, you know, things like that to shock you. The second of Joe's bees, obviously, is is breasts, and they'll have naked girls to titillate you when the uh, the scene gets a little boring mm, and geez. they think people aren't paying attention. It's like, oh, you aren't paying attention. Okay, uh, let's take off a bra, and then you gotta have monsters right? There's got to be something that's going after the people in a classic horror movie, and that's yes, beasts. Definitely. And, and so Joe Bob's three Bs are what inspired the song for the week. And you guys can find that song in the show notes, othersidepodcast.com slash 242. So othersidepodcast.com slash 242, or you can find it in our See You on the Other Side playlist on Spotify. And that's where you can check out Inspired by Joe Bob and his love of B-movies, it's Sunspot with blood, breasts, and beasts. Now, our Patreon members are going to get that song
0: right in their inbox with an mp3 because we love them, right? Oh, absolutely love them, and we're recording this on April Fool's Day, Mike our patreon members are no fools <laughs> they are no fools they're, they're our favorite and they're and awesome s- people that we love talking to in our monthly hangouts and skype and uh in our facebook page we've got conversations going on all the time that's right we love
1: to get tips from everybody for great story ideas and, and great podcast ideas uh, we love to talk about our favorite films a lot of times the hangouts do we talk about ghost stories we saw that last week
0: experiences we've had experiences that we've talked to people about and then we talk about horror movies a lot of the time. Oh. And I think maybe this month we should watch that movie that was recommended in the interview. Uh, what was it? Grave Danger? Oh, that's right. The ghost <laughs> yes. hunting movie. So yes. that might be a good one for us to watch and discuss in our Patreon group. But if you want to become a member of that group, it's really easy. All you have to do is visit othersidepodcast.com/donate and we have a special shout out Mike. That's right.
1: Dr. Ned. Dr. Ned is at the Patreon level where he's like an executive producer of our B-movie life. Yes. Where he gets uh, a shout out in every single episode. Dr. Ned, thank you so much for your support. See you on the other side. Wouldn't be happening without it.
0: Yes. And thanks to each and every one of our community members. We hope you'll join us. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yes. That's going to be at othersidepodcast.com slash donate.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time, see you on the other side.
4: The ghost needs to be a child, and it needs, the child needs to be an asshole. The angry, vindictive child is the best ghost ever.